what I realized is that Kelly was a bit bossy. She's an older <laughs> sister. <laughs> and she's a Sag. <laughs> so she was bossy. So I said, you know, I was started- born knowing everything. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as we get older and wiser, we know we don't know anything. I learn. I know less as I get older. (laughs) Boy, is that true? My name is Wafea Abdallah, owner of Curly Oasis Inc., a curl-centric salon and education platform in Rockville, Maryland. Since opening the salon in 2005, we've seen how teaching people to care for their curls is a step into a much deeper journey of self-acceptance and empowerment. This show explores some of those different journeys and the lessons that we've learned along the way in hair care and in life. On today's episode, we're hosting Kelly Swan. Kelly started at Oasis at the age of 21 as a receptionist. She didn't know anything about the hair industry at all. And today she owns a hair salon in Denver, Colorado called Let Em Have It Salon. This is the curl code. So let's start back when you came in for your job interview, we always tease that, you know, it was really your mom, right? Mm-hmm. She, she was a client of mine. May she rest in peace. Yes. Uh, love her. And, uh, she, uh, we were talking, I said, yeah, we have an ad out for a receptionist. And she said, Oh, my daughter, Kelly, maybe, you know, she'd be interested. I said, well, we're getting ready to close it. So tell her to apply. So do you want to share how, how that went? Yeah, this was in uh, 2012. So I saw an ad on Craigslist. My mom didn't tell me that you said that to her. She forgot, I guess. Um, and I saw the ad on Craigslist, which is so funny now. It's like, that's like an inappropriate place to find a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel like no one's probably doing that. Um, and I was like, oh, Oasis, that's right around the corner from where I live. Like, maybe I would like that. Like maybe I would want to do hair. I was like working in my uncle's pastry shop, just dropped out of college, like was 21 years old, didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. And I was like, well, let's try it. And I called Oasis and I said, hi, I'm calling about the um, position that you have open. And whoever answered the phone said, oh, that position's already been filled. And so I just thought nothing of it. And I told my mom, I was like, yeah, I was thinking maybe I could do hair and I called Oasis, but they said the position was filled. And she was like, no, you need to call back and ask for Wafea because she just told me that they have a position open and they're hiring right now. (laughs) Talk about synchronicity, Mm -hmm. right? It really shows. I mean, we see it every day. We see evidence of when things are meant to be, Mm -hmm. somehow we're guided to it. Absolutely. Every step of the way that every major life decision, it's so clear that that's how it is. And if I paid attention to the smaller ones, I'm sure that's the same. Well, I mean, we're human. And I'll tell you, a lot of uh, spiritual teachers that I listen to will say it comes in the way you least expect. Mm -hmm. And so when you're least expecting it, you know, so many things have happened in my life that were that are incredible. And I was annoyed when it first started (laughs) to happen. Yeah. (laughs) And so we tease that you came in with this mousy brown hair that hadn't been cut in I don't know how long, applying for receptionist position. Um, I had this trauma from getting my hair highlighted so horribly at 
you know, like a bubbles or something. And, um, I remember coming here and I was like, Oh, I, I don't want to get my hair cut or I don't want color done. I definitely don't want highlights because that doesn't go well for me. Cause my only experiences were like, you know, some cheap, you know, walk in chop shop factory or <laughs> my mom and my aunt who gave me like tiger stripes out of a, Ooh. you know, <laughs> cap, <laughs> the plastic cap. <laughs> and you were like, I remember distinctly, you were like, you know, this is a professional place. <laughs> These are professionals. It's not going to be that same experience. I mean, yes, for sure. And you've been stunning and gorgeous with your hair ever since. <laughs> so you were the very first apprentice here at Oasis to successfully complete your apprenticeship. Yes. So in the state of Maryland, uh, there are several ways that you can become a licensed stylist. One is to go to beauty school and the other is to work under a senior cosmetologist, which is myself and now Moni and Adi here at the salon as well. And you can have somebody who doesn't know anything about hair come in and learn under your supervision and then go for the state board exam. I am so grateful for that. I'm incredibly grateful that I had the opportunity to do that instead of going through school. Cosmetology school, I mean, the way that it works in Colorado is you have to go through cosmetology school, get your license, and then you can be taken on as an apprentice by a salon mm. where they can start to teach you things, which means you've gone through school, you've learned all these bad habits, and now you're having to be taught something completely new. You know, essentially school was just a means to get your license. And I remember you'd gone for the test mm -hmm. and we were waiting for the physical license and we knew it was going to come in a couple of weeks. So we started booking you mm -hmm. and you were basically fully booked for months. Yeah. Right out of the gate. Yeah. What, what an opportunity. <laughs> well, <laughs> you were also an excellent student. Yes. I did work very hard. Yeah. You do have to earn it. Not everyone's going to do that. And, and we joke often because, you know, I hadn't built the program to the extent that it is now because you were really the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and we tease and joke that Kelly was trained on, on post-it notes. On sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great to have a student that can really pick up what you're putting down literally. Literally. And it's like, I put the it. note for you on the desk. Come back to me. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was yellow sticky notes i mean sometimes you'd have different colors but it would be like <laughs> with like little bullet points it would have like one word and i just had to decipher like okay that means I have to well you were so go good at it, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah <laughs> but that's we've always been kind of on the same wavelength we like really we had, have we've always understood each other it's really true yeah <laughs> that's that's a gift as a teacher to have a student like that i mean that's just such a pleasure really but, you know, I also want to give a shout out to the people who aren't on my wavelength because they have made me a better teacher. Absolutely. That you have to break it down in a way. I mean, there's some things that I'll, you know, show people and then walk away and they're doing it so differently. Not that it's always wrong. Sometimes it is. But it's a way I would never even think to approach it. So I just go back to the system and write down, you want to stand in front of the client, mm -hmm. not behind them. You want to weave 
this section of hair, not that section of hair. And so, I mean, it, both are great. Both are great. And if you're going to be a great educator, you also have to stay open to learning from your students on how to best educate. Absolutely. Always trying to take feedback. We have an apprentice who um, is has just completed the curriculum. Um, and next week we have a meeting where we're going to sit down and get feedback on like what went well, what didn't go well, how can we improve what we've done? You know, you can't get stagnant. Yeah. Well, you know, so because of you, we have this wonderful program now and we definitely find we appreciate all, mm -hmm. but we definitely find that the people who come in as apprentices reach that level of knowledge a lot faster mm -hmm. because there is no unlearning. Absolutely. Also, I want to just take it back to the shadow day, which I'll never forget that, you know, we bring employees or potential employees on for a few hours just to kind of feel it out. Is this going to work? Right. It's like dating mm -hmm. and we don't want to speed date. We want to, we want to date. And, um, you were here for shadow day and the phone kept ringing and I said, okay, thank you very much. You know, it's okay for you to go now. And I remember you had your bag on your shoulder and you stayed for another 45 minutes with the bag on your shoulder because you just couldn't leave because there was so much to do. And all of us that were watching, the whole team was like, she's <laughs> tired. <laughs> yeah. So what an incredible work ethic that you have and really have maintained throughout. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So when, when people are interviewing, those shadow days are really important. It tells a lot. I mean, I think you really get to see like what someone's going to do. Yeah. People show you who they are right away. Mm -hmm. And, and so back to the leadership, you know, what I realized is that Kelly was a bit bossy. She's an <laughs> older sister <laughs> and she's a Sag. <laughs> so she was bossy. So I said, you know, I was started born knowing everything. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as we get older and wiser, we know we don't know anything. I learn. I know less as I get older. <laughs> Boy, is that true? And so as we're grooming you for leadership and I just kind of looked at you and I said, you don't get to be bossy for free. That's right. I you tell know. that story. <laughs> and it's so interesting that you can be bossy until you're in a leadership position and suddenly realize if you bossy, nobody's going to really follow you. Mm mm. And so talk to us about being this bossy know-it-all oh, <laughs> to growing into the inspiring leader that you are at the young age of <sighs> early 30s. Yeah, I mean, I really had no tact <laughs> initially. I just, I knew there were things that needed to be done and I knew how they needed to be done. And if they weren't done the way that they were intended to be done... I was going to have a talk with someone, you know, and, um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just let it go. I couldn't just let people have their own experience and learn and whatever. It was like, nope, this is a system. This is how we do it. This is what you do. You need to do it this way. And, um, I mean, my dad says that's how I was when I was a little kid, like four years old neighborhood girl comes over and I'm like, you see this button on the remote <laughs> that turns the cartoons off. Don't touch it, <laughs> you know, and that's how it was. And 
truly like I had to be knocked down a bunch of times. Like my style of leadership today is just truly from life experience. It's truly from a softening that I think had to happen um, from countless life experiences. But I think you would tell me early on, like, you're going to catch more flies with honey, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's a process like those, especially like young women, like who are bossy coming up. It's like, sometimes you're just told like, you need to sit down and be quiet, you know? (laughs) And I couldn't, I couldn't. And the truth is I still don't today. If I don't agree with something, I am going to say it. I just, hopefully I'm going to be a little bit kinder (laughs) in my delivery today. But I do, I think that's valuable. And I do think, you know, women should be celebrated in speaking up, you know? 150%. You know, I'm all over that. The key is, right, it's not enough to say it. It's the delivery needs to be in a way that it's heard. Mm -hmm. And so what happens, I think, when we're young in leadership, and I, I mean, you've seen things that I've done that I don't do anymore, we grow, is that we come into it with this kind of aggressiveness, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've been taught as a society, and I call it the yin and yang, yeah. right? Yang is masculine energy. And traditionally, business models have been, you know, the leaders have been men. And it's funny because uh, I say this, I think Zach and I, my youngest son, were we were watching a, a movie from 2005 or four. And in the scene, they were calling all the executives, the leaders in the company into a room in 2005. And everyone in this movie that was in that room was white and male, Mm -hmm. except for two white women. That was it. Yeah. And that's in this century. (laughs) Oh, that's probably a lot of companies like that today. Right. And so, and so bringing that yin aspect, which is really what, what the world is asking for now, because people are like, oh, I'll follow your lead, but am I valued? Am I seen? Am I heard? And so it really, if you have a message, the delivery can be really impactful in so many ways. It doesn't have to necessarily be with a loud voice, but I hear what you're saying because as women and me being a North African Arab Muslim woman, yeah, be quiet. You know, you're if it just you know you're seen but not heard. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're going to initially want to speak out and be heard, but there are ways to do it. And so, talk to us about how your leadership style has developed. Because you said, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. But what have you learned? And again, to be an owner of a business at 31, are you? 32. Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Almost 33. <laughs> you're still 21. Um, I know. Okay. At, at 32, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> at, it's still young to, yeah. to own a business. I, I'm not saying it's not done. We, we hear of it all the time. But talk to us about what, what have you learned and what are you putting in place to be the leader that you would want to follow? I think it just comes back to love, you know? as so many things do, right? It's not like, do what I say. It's like my why behind what I'm doing and why I decided to, you know, take over the company that I have today is 
I just wanted to have a place that I've always wanted to be, you know, and it's fun. It's playful. It's loving. And we're going to get things done, you know, and I think if your business is built on love, you're bound to have success, you know, and if your relationships within your team and your leadership style is founded in love, things are going to go much smoother. You know, when you have conflict, it doesn't feel like that conflict with a big C, like so scary. You know, so many people are conflict averse, you know, they're so scared of it. And to just have a conversation when things aren't going according to plan, if you already have like that mutual love and respect there, it doesn't feel as scary, you know, and it doesn't feel like so, I don't know, like tense, I guess. Um, tense and intense. Tense and intense. Yeah. Um, but again, like that's learned through trial and error. And I, I wish I could say I'm that way 100% of the time. It's still a work in progress. You know, I still find myself getting like riled up inside at times when things don't go according to plan. And I want to just revert back to how I was at 22 years old. Like, Hey, I told you, you need to do this. Why didn't you do this? <laughs> you know? And I think like you were referring to, you said Yin is the Yin more, is the feminine energy. Okay, so yeah. leaning into that, leaning into the softness and being a little bit more nurturing and gentle in my delivery, I do get better responses from people. But I think I will also always have a little bit of that yang, you know, and sometimes I do have to pull that out, you know. <laughs> you, and you you really you we have to respect our rhythm, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's not wrong. It's being aware of when it needs to be used mm -hmm. and when it can take a back seat. Yeah. And allow the yin to take the front seat. So you said love. How does love show up in your company? So I heard you say the conflict with the little C. What else? Oh, I mean, I think we just had a team meeting recently about who we are, like, how can we define our culture? And when we were talking about love, it's like, what does that mean? And it means more than just how we operate as team members, you know, it's as people, we make each other laugh, we lift each other up. Like we really like have cultivated these relationships with one another that are so far beyond just being in our salon. You know, we like, truly care for one another. We know about what's going on in each other's lives. We, I mean, really we laugh. Like that's the main thing. I think laughter is the best medicine. And for me, like one of my favorite ways to connect with other people, like if we can make each other laugh, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. Um, you know, just having each other's back, being able to like anticipate each other's needs, being able to you know, learn each other, learn our communication styles, accept each other for who we are, but also hold each other to a higher standard. There's so many things. And yin leadership, how does that translate in numbers? Do you find that you're, the company is successful? Yeah, I would. I would. I would say like we 
are more often than not pretty busy. And the number one compliment that we get from our clients is, I've never been in a salon that feels this way. And you can't quantify that. Like, you can't measure that. Like, yes, we are great. You know, our numbers are great. And, like, ultimately, it's, like, that feeling. Like, how do you even explain, like, what all has happened to produce that feeling? You know? But that's it. Like, and people say, like, I can tell that there's love in here. I can tell that you guys get along. I've been to other salons and I can tell they don't like each other. They're talking about each other or whatever, like you can just feel some kind of tension. And I think even people who aren't like spiritually in tune or believe in energy or whatever, like you can feel that you feel the energy when you walk into a place, you can feel when you walk in and they don't like each other. Yeah. And you know, one of the key drivers in business is retention. And so Mm -hmm. when clients can feel that and that resonates with them, they're going to keep coming back and telling people. Yeah. And that is exactly what makes the business successful Mm -hmm. for sure. And, uh, you know, we were touching a little bit on yin leadership, right? Do you see, you're younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you seeing, or are you aware that especially with, uh, the workforce is changing, right? Mm -hmm. Coming out of the pandemic, you know, people are really looking for jobs differently. Mm -hmm. And are you seeing that more of those feminine qualities, that evidence in, in leadership and in the workforce? Absolutely. And I think while I'm younger than you, my entire team is younger than me and I'm even (laughs) learning from them. (laughs) You know, I'm a millennial and I'm leading a team of Gen Z. And so it's like. (laughs) Tell me, tell me, speak wisdom. I was just talking to my business coach from Strategies, Leslie. I feel that I'm still very young. However, I have times where with my team, I'm like, oh, no, am I getting old? (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, these young people. Like what? (laughs) What happens? Honestly, I I do have a wonderful team, so things do not come up often. They don't. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I would say there's a lot more feelings involved. Mm. You know, you can't just be like, this is the job. This is the responsibility. Do it or get over it. You know, this isn't about feelings. This is your job. Yeah, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. Do you remember that from yeah. a league of their own? Yeah. With Tom Hanks <laughs> yeah. feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think like that is something you do. You have to hold people's feelings gently, you know, or they're not going to respect you. Well, it, or, it really. Or they won't feel appreciated and they won't stay. Or even if they do stay, they'll have a bad attitude about it. It really is a sign of the times. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel the younger generation is much more in touch with their emotions. And I love it. They're owning it. Yes, everyone goes to therapy, which is another great thing, right? That it's so common. But, you know, uh, and I'm in my late 50s and um, I've always been open to things like this. But I know a lot of my peers or my age group really aren't. Or they think you go to therapy when something's wrong or, you know, they can't 
They can name three feelings, three emotions, anger, sadness, and happiness. And the, the vocabulary has grown mm-hmm. <laughs> with the younger generation. So there's, there's a lot of good. And I have to touch on this. You know, you bought your business back in August of 2022. Sadly, two months after you bought it, you had a team member drop dead at home, not in the salon. Yeah. Tell us about that time. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was horrible. I mean, so I guess to lead into uh, walking into becoming a business owner, I, I'm, I'm a confident person by nature, sometimes overly confident, um, but then also sometimes horribly insecure. You know, it's this weird duality. Um, but walking into this, I had to get myself to the place of being like overly confident, you know, because you have to be a little kind of crazy <laughs> to become a business owner. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reality is walking into it, we had had the highest numbers we had had in the history of the business for months on end and exceeding goal after goal after goal after goal. And I was like, look at us. We're flying high. This look at me like I get to walk in with a leg up and I always give you credit. Always. I always come back to how you like brought me up in this industry and strategies helping me a lot um, through you. Um, But I was riding high. I was like, "Okay, look at us like we're doing this like I get to walk in. I actually get to skip a lot of these struggles that most people talk about in early salon ownership you know you hear every salon owner talk about their struggles they had in the humble beginnings and how hard and whatever and I'm like okay I get to skip that like we're gonna keep growing but we're just gonna be more like refining versus repairing and then two months in it yeah Angelica oh my god oh I loved her so much um she passed away she had a heart attack suddenly and it was devastating. It was devastating. It was like probably one of the worst things that I could have imagined having to walk through that early on in my journey. And, oh my God. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. Like we come in and we have huddle every morning to start our day. And she wasn't at huddle and someone was like, is she coming in today? And I was like, uh, she's supposed to. She didn't message me. And I message her, hey, are you coming in? And then I checked the desk phone and her mom let us know. And those, like that first month leading up to it, it was like running around with a chicken with our heads cut off. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was horrible. And our team talks about that sometimes. Like, I can't believe we made it through that because not only like are we grieving like i was saying there's so much love in the space like we're all friends you know it's not just coworkers like for us and i'm sure like oasis i i know for a fact like oasis if one of your team members passed away you guys would be devastated and and the worst part about that is we're hairstylists <laughs> why and do you say that because hairstylists are there to make the people feel good You know, and here we are crumbling and grieving and like heartbroken and trying to wrap our head around what had just happened. And like every day trying to be like, 
okay, we just have to put one foot in front of the other. But while we're crumbling, we're also lifting everyone up and lifting all of our clients up. And we had lots of clients who were amazing and offering to help, offering to like reach out and reschedule appointments. And we got a lot of love and support, but we had to hold everyone else's pain while we were processing our own pain. And that was atrocious. Like having to be like actively like on the verge of tears, but then deliver that message 10 times a day and then hold someone else as they're crying. It was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst. I can't imagine. Yeah. That is, that's, that's hard. Yeah. And it's not like you can close down for a week because right. we, we have to keep it going. And like you said, I mean, not In only. In hindsight, are, I do wish we would have. I think it would have been worth the, worth the hit. We could have pulled from our cash reserve to pull it together. Well, it's not even about making money. It's that you had people who made appointments who knows how far in advance yeah you know and needed their hair done for whatever reason it's hard to break that promise yeah you know because for so many people it might be the only time they really have self-care and i don't i mean I, I i don't know what the right decision is both probably both have their pros and cons but I think that's really what drives us is not that, oh, we can't close down because of money, um, especially if you have, you know, a cash reserve, you're, you're fine. But it's more that how do we let these people down? And if you're booked months on end, such like we are, and when we reopen, where are we going to put them? That's yeah, actually, that's a good point, because what happened being that we were all completely booked, we went from you know, we have a small team. So we went from four stylists who were completely booked to then putting in another stylist full set of clients into these three stylists. Because we have to support these people too. For sure. And while you're right, yes, we do have to take care of ourselves. We can't shrug the responsibility that we have for taking care of others, even when it's hard. Yeah. May she rest in peace. First of all, let me honor the moment and, and I hope her family's okay and her family still comes in um, to get their hair done at the salon, so that's good. Aww. Her mom was just in last week, and she is she's in her 70s, has never worn her hair curly, and let me style her hair curly for the first time what? in her life. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Shout out to Mom B. <laughs> that's amazing. But I was also going to share the story of you were here when I worked with a kidney stone. I mean, I missed one day but couldn't miss two. I could barely function, <laughs> you know, but that's the dedication of hairstylists that I think a lot of people don't understand. And it's our, our heart and the level of service and integrity that we bring that we understand it's not just cutting hair. It's not superficial that what we're doing again is really this for a lot of people. It might be the only self care that they have. Right. Or that, People have, you know, family weddings or their own wedding or a new job. And it means so much to them when they can get their hair done and we can't let them down. Yeah. And so shout out to hairstylists. I think a lot of people don't understand a lot of the self-sacrifices that we make Absolutely. so that we can be on and serving others. 
Absolutely. And your story is certainly an example of that. And that I think is where the love showed up the most, right? When I was talking about the love in my company, like we held each other through that, you know, it's amazing. So we're going to switch gears okay, <laughs> and talk about hair. So you are a swavy girl. Like yes. you have a loose wave. Yes. And we talk about hairism, right? Judgment around curls and waves. And, you know, we often think of the tight curl community having it hard, but wavy girls have it hard too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share some of your experience and some of the reactions that you get with your wavy hair? Um like as a hairstylist? Well, yeah, like some of even what you ran into specializing in curly hair here and the things that you would hear from people. Yeah, I mean, more times than I can count, I have had people look at me in my little barely wavy hair and be like, are you sure you know how to do my hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I've had a lot of education, a lot of training around it, and I really love doing it. I think that's always the kicker too. Like anytime someone's doubted my ability on if I can do their hair, I always come back. And it's not just like, oh, I want to prove to you that I know what I'm talking about. I always want to come back and end it with, and I really love doing it. Yeah. And then some comments that you would hear from people of, well, you don't understand. You have straight hair. Oh, yeah. That used to make me so mad. I'm like, no, I don't. I have wavy hair. I count. There's frizz hey, up in here. Look at this. There's See a the little frizz? bit there. I don't have straight hair. And really, frizz is the proof. Where, yeah. where we, the saying is uh, Lorraine Massey, who is the author of Curly Girl, a handbook, and really started every, uh, the, this whole movement. Um, you know, says where there's frizz, there's curl or wave mm -hmm. or wave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also like with wavy hair, you know, it, it's so funny. I was talking to Sid earlier and I was like, yeah, one like, of our team. Yeah. So Sid is a member of Oasis with beautiful, tight, curly hair. And we were talking about like the different textures and whatever. And she was saying how she loved mine. And I was like, I love yours. Like I always wanted like big, beautiful, curly hair. And it took me a while, you know, being a curl specialist to just accept like, all right, I have wavy hair. And you know what? That's fine. <laughs> um, I was like, it's so funny because a lot of times people with like big, tight curls will tell me like, oh, like my you know, people think my hair is hard to deal with. And honestly, I think if you're wearing it in the natural wave, in some ways, like dealing with wavy hair is like harder. Like if you have a client with wavy hair, that's almost harder to deal with than someone with a tighter curl that's just going to naturally clump together on its own. You know, it's like you go through your emotions, you give it the proper nutrients that it's craving, you style it, you're intentional with how you're touching the hair. And it just flourishes and, and it, it shines it lasts for days it's beautiful it's just amazing but wavy hair you have to like trick it you know <laughs> you have to like manipulate it scrunch it make sure you hold your diffuser just like that you know 
And when people even do like my, if a curly style for me, like a wavy set, like scrunching in some products for me and diffusing it, I, I usually don't like how it comes out, you know? That's that's a sign of a hairdresser. <laughs> that's a, also, very yeah. much a me just problem. Just so y'all know. Well, no, just so y'all know, it's not just you. Just so y'all know, the hardest clients are hairdressers. Oh yeah, I always <laughs> tell my team, I'm like, when you're training with me, I'm one of the worst clients you're gonna have. I'm yeah. very picky. I'm not gonna like it, and that might hurt your ego a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah, the very best have cut my hair, and, and I, I don't or, like it. Not, it's not the cut. That it's not you're the really, cut. It's, it's the styling. Yeah, because you have your way. Yeah. What are some What are some tricks that you could share regarding wavy hair that you've learned and and been successful with? Um, I think the first day, more often than not, isn't gonna be the best. Um, that's just gonna the water weight weighs it down. You know, that's what it comes down to. It's like that first day, it's hydrated. One, I do have to remove more water from my hair prior to applying stylers. And then the best it's going to look is if I do actually diffuse it fully. But by the end of the day, it's going to deflate. Whereas like days two, three, four, if I just in the shower smooth a little bit of water over the waves and scrunch it, and maybe scrunch a tiny bit more product in, those are going to be the best days. But day one usually isn't it. And that's okay. Yeah, good to know. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Do you sleep with your hair in a special way at night? I know for like my curls, the the medium to, to close to tighter curls, um, we, we refer to it from, again, reference the curly book as corkicelli. So it's not corkscrew. It's not botticelli. It's somewhere in the middle. All I have to do is just put it in a loose pony on top of my head at night and I have my satin pillowcase. I wake up in the morning. Maybe I wet a curl or two and voila. Yeah. For you, what are some what are some ways that you've managed to do you have to sleep with it a certain way at night? No, I don't. And that's actually a blessing. So when I worked at Oasis, I had all the buffs, the hair tubes. I would try pineappling my hair. And I felt like I was really trying to put a lot of effort into it. Um, but no matter what I did, I woke up and I'm still kind of flat and limp and whatever. And I, unless I actually like smoothed some water over it and re-scrunched it, it's nothing was going to happen. So what I've found is like, honestly, functional frizz is my friend. It It is. So if I could just sleep all over the place and it's there that's fine. Like nice. today I haven't washed my hair in probably five days and I didn't do anything today. And so it's like, okay, I still feel like I don't feel embarrassed to leave the house like this. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> you know, Looks good. and I could have, you know, wet it, scrunch in more product and woke more wave up, or I can just have it be like the softer, looser wave. As is, and that part I'm very grateful for. What do you love about being a curl stylist? Oh my God, watching people fall in love. Watching people like it's, it happened today with the model that I had today. Had never had a curly cut before. That's my favorite, favorite, favorite thing. Anyone who's never had a curly cut, first time visit, there's magic. It's magical. People, mm -hmm lose it you know and it's like so 
amazing to make someone feel that way and to watch someone light up and watch someone look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I have never seen my hair like this before. I didn't even know it could do this. Oh my God, how'd you do that? You know, and then taking people through the process of like, you know, the lesson, teaching them how to care for it. Do you feel confident that you can do this at home? And they're like, yeah, I think I can, but I'll let you know if I have any questions. And just like seeing that level of excitement, it's unbelievable. The first time, that's when I knew when I started working at Oasis and this was in 2012. So no one was doing curly hair. Very, very few people. Yeah. Very few people. So the before, if we were taking before and after pictures then, oh, they would have been amazing because people were walking in all kinds of ways. Everyone's hair was so frizzy, zero definition. They probably brushed it before they came, you know, (laughs) or it was the first time they ever didn't brush it (laughs) because they were told in the instructions not to. And like they would come in, their hair was so dry and frizzy and just all over the place. And then leave with this dramatic transformation after seeing hydration for the first time. And like just watching grown adults cry because they're so grateful. Where else do you get that? It really is magical. It's magical. It's 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 so yeah. magical. It's beautiful to make people feel that way. Also, like curly hair is beautiful. So you never get bored as a curl stylist. No one has the exact same curl. Like you're not getting two heads of curls. You can do the same exact haircut all day, every day. And it's still going to feel different because everyone has a different head of hair, you know, and no one even has the same exact curl throughout their one head. (laughs) Is your team as excited about curly hair as you? Some of them are. I don't think anyone gets like as lit up about it as I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think once people start and they see, you know, the gift of giving, yeah, <laughs> they get more excited by it. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it is fun to watch. And I think also, like, uh, on a deeper level, it is helping people to learn how to love themselves. You know, it is, it is. It's a different form of, like, healing where you're showing someone how to love themselves for who they are. It's like to look in the mirror and appreciate your natural beauty. That's huge. Like what an amazing thing to give to another person. Amen. For sure. I'm with you. What's next for you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm very much in the flow of where life is taking me. I think this last year has been such a roller coaster. And um, I f- feel like I'm just getting to a point where I'm like back on solid ground and back into a refining, like checking in with my team, seeing what systems have cracks in them, figuring out what kind of like refining we need to be doing. And then we want to start growing our team more. I mean, I, that sounds like a great plan. I know I keep forgetting that you're a, a new business owner. Yeah. It's still getting my sea leg. Yeah. And I think we're going to collaborate on some initiatives. Yeah. For sure. What is any advice you have for a young 30-year-old that is embarking on 
owning their own business. What are some to date (laughs) morsels of wisdom that you could share? Take care of yourself. I think first and foremost, the Mm. number one thing that I, the number one lesson I keep coming back to is my own well-being is more important than it's ever been because I have other people who depend on me. You know, I can't come in any kind of way all frazzled. And I do sometimes, honestly, I I have to come back, check myself, recenter. Um, But if this is going to go well, I need to be taking care of myself. I need to be on solid ground. I need to be like in alignment with my own values. If I want people to come in and be in alignment with my values, I need to be in alignment with my values first and foremost. (laughs) And I think that's like a continuing coming back to like checking in of like, oh, okay, I got off track. All right, I have to come back. Another piece would be make sure that you have people that you can seek counsel from and check in. You don't have to do any of it alone. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. I think you told me that. I don't know who you might have said that. I may have reminded you of that, but I didn't, I didn't make it up. You may have reminded me. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Don't reinvent the wheel. Wafe Abdallah. <laughs> like 20, 2012. <laughs> um, no, but that reminder, like having people remind you of things like that, um, having people hold you accountable to who you truly are, you know, I think that's important. Um Continuing to seek out education, never stop trying to better yourself, you know, and that comes back to the being in alignment with my own values. Like I need to be the best version of myself if I'm expecting people to show up as the best version of themselves. (laughs) You know, it's really true. And it's so interesting because we basically are in the business of selling self-care. Yeah. And yet we often run on empty. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that is something that I'm generalizing here, but I'm going to generalize for a minute that your age group is definitely doing better than my age group because I was taught Mm self-sacrifice and yeah, if you, you, you put your own oxygen mask on first, if you're running on empty, you can't pour from an empty cup. No, you can't. You can't. And so that it's not selfish to take care of yourself first. And something that I've learned as a leader, you know, when we get new team members, of course, people try to show up any kind of way in the morning. And I was just talking to two of the attendees yesterday and in their company, they do a temperature check in, in the morning. For us at Huddle, we don't take a temperature check. We give gratitude. And actually, you are responsible for starting that at Huddle. Um, huddle is our pre-day meeting before we start of just a quick communication about the day. And when you give gratitude, you're 10. That's true. And so I love that, that you said that. And thank you for teaching me that. Gratitude is powerful. No, gratitude is the attitude. Gratitude is the attitude. It's powerful. It's such a perspective shift, truly. Yeah. And the more you're grateful for, the more you have things that happen to be grateful for. And it works. Kelly Swan, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for being here. It's such a privilege for my my spiritual daughter to be here and on this podcast today. 
I did call you my spiritual mother to my team. That's so funny. (laughs) I did say that. I'm grateful to be here. Back to gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. The Curl Code is brought to you from the Oasis Curl Salon in Rockville, Maryland, hosted by the one and only Wafea Abdullah. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Hannah Gaber, and edited by Tatiana Zamis. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating. And if you've got some nice things to say, go ahead and leave us a review. But most importantly, please share the show with anyone you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth really is the best way to help people find us. Learn more about Curly Oasis at www.curlyoasis.com and continue your curl education journey by finding them on Instagram and YouTube. The Curl Code is a Say More production.